Welcome to Inside Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting, a global strategy consultancy that helps business leaders seize competitive advantage and amplify growth. Inside Exchange is our forum dedicated to the free, open, and unbiased exchange of the insights and ideas that are driving business into the future. We exchange insights with the brightest minds of the day, the most daring innovators, and the doers who are right now rebuilding the world around us. Methane emissions are heavily concentrated in oil and gas, which has prompted changes in upstream processes and investment in new technologies. In this episode, we'll discuss the size of the problem that methane emissions present in the oil and gas sector. We'll discuss measures that companies are taking to account for managing today's methane emissions, as well as the challenges in reduction. Finally, we'll cover where there are opportunities for investing in the market. Today, you'll be hearing from Franco Chula, Nilesh Dayal, and Amar Gudral, all managing directors in our Houston office who specialize in energy and decarbonization. Hi, this is Nilesh Dayal, Global Head of Energy for LEK. Hello, everyone. I'm Franco Chula, partner with uh, LEK, uh, covering the energy and environment subsector. Hey there. I'm Amar Gudral. I'm a partner in LEK's Houston office, where I lead efforts across energy transition within our energy and environment practice. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you, Amar. Thank you, Nilesh. Good to be here with you guys. Okay. Since I have you both here, before we get into the topic at hand, methane emissions in oil and gas, I think we should discuss the most critical issue facing energy today, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. The event has elevated oil prices, but what do you see as the longer-term implications? Well, certainly, Amar, a, a, a situation in evolution, and uh, we keep uh, you know, looking at the the, the, the market and how it evolves. Uh, uh, before talking about the long term, very quickly, the short term is probably more critical to understand. And uh, certainly we see uh, Europe uh, trying to move away as fast as possible from the dependency on Russia. Uh, and that, in our view, will create uh, 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 an interesting dynamic when it comes to the balance of both crude oil, but particularly gas, uh, and, and, and currently, uh, Europe already in conversations with different regions, uh, particularly uh, we, we saw the announcement of uh, the United States committing to deliver more LNG uh, and the willingness to uh, also switch uh, sources from, 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 from Russia to, to Africa of major EMP companies with interest in both, uh, in both continents. But the big question is how fast they can do that and number, number two, how much uh, uh, Europe can take in the short term, which in both cases we see challenges of Europe ramping up uh, regas capacity and things like that. So that points to uh, the acceleration of renewable as the potential uh, solution to this, uh, this uh, situation in the long run. And that's what we uh, see uh, evolving, uh, certainly something that has been going on for a few uh, uh, years already, and uh, countries like uh, Germany, France, uh, making uh, open uh, comments about uh, accelerating that via uh, stimulating investments with uh, further and further um, uh, incentives. That is uh, the European, which is obviously the center of all this uh, this situation. And then 
When it comes to other regions, uh, we see uh, opportunities in North America. Certainly, the oil prices are uh, uh, leading uh, e EMP companies to e increase their spending in their drilling programs, uh, taking advantage of the situation and keeping uh, uh, free cash flow as the main uh, uh, focus of their operation. But on the gas side is where we see most of the opportunities, uh, given the situation yeah. with LNG exports to, to Europe. Yeah, I think just to add to that point, uh, uh, and thanks, Franco, for that uh, explanation. We, we're seeing a before our eyes sort of uh, the medium and long term narrative around gas evolve, changing. Um, natural gas was previously view, viewed as a maybe a, just a, a bridge fuel uh, for the looming energy transition, and given the ESG concerns around. Uh, carbon emissions from, from natural gas. Well, now we're back to natural gas and LNG specifically being critical and beneficial for society over the long term, just from an energy uh, security and transition perspective. So um, we're seeing a little bit of evol evolution around um, natural gas being back in vogue. Thank you, Nilesh, for kind of, I think, going through the kind of how the, the gas narrative really has started to change. Um, we, we've seen quite a bit of that over the last 18 months or so, and it's interesting to see how this is this is really coming for full circle uh, in the discussion of, of natural gas as a critical bridge fuel. Going back to the discussion on methane emissions in oil and gas sector, maybe just a question for, for you, Nilesh, to start. So when we think about methane emissions in oil and gas, how big of a problem is it today? So... Great question. Methane accounts for about 16% of all greenhouse gases and is about 28 times more potent than CO2. Uh, oil and gas specifically um, accounts for about 25% of all human sources of greenhouse gases. Thanks, Nilesh. Uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, within the 25% that Nilesh mentioned uh, being oil and gas, Obviously, that's different based on the region uh, where we where we talk about. But uh, regions that are more tied to oil and gas production tend to be over the twenty five percent. For example, the Middle East uh, at sixty eight percent and North America at forty one percent. So certainly an issue that both uh, regions uh, has to address. Uh, and when it comes to where in the oil and gas value chain this uh, emission problem is happening. Upstream represent about 75% of total emissions in the industry, mainly uh, from vented gas and fugitive uh, emissions, while the rest is mostly concentrated in downstream infrastructure. Okay, so uh, understanding how, how we're seeing the, the issue kind of across um, kind of all streams of, of the oil and gas side of it and, and kind of taking maybe that, that upstream consideration here, how are companies reporting um, on their emissions goals today, and how are they accounting for emissions today? Yeah, that's a good question, Amar. I mean, certainly not all companies are reacting the same way. We see majors uh, kind of leading the game, uh, not only in North America, globally. They have uh, very well-defined long-term goals in terms of uh, emission reduction, uh, and, and some of them actually announcing net zero uh, by 2050, mainly European companies are pretty much ahead of that uh, that type of announcement. Uh, announcement. When it comes to uh, where uh, in the value chain of emission, uh, they are they are focusing the attention again. Majors are 
pretty pretty open on, on saying it's not just the missions we produce, which is uh, defined as scope one, and the missions we actually get uh, from, from direct suppliers, scope two, but also extending that to their vendor base, uh, which is obviously uh, very ambitious to, to, to even set uh, uh, emission reduction goals for, for scope three uh, type, of, uh, uh, type of situations. When we move to the tier two type of companies, and here uh, I want to mention, uh, obviously, a diverse set of, uh, of players. Some of these companies are pretty aligned with the majors, and I can take the example of EQT, uh, Oxy, Marathon Oil, that are actually pretty much in the same boat, uh, uh, setting, setting goals for scope one, two, and three. Uh, but the majority of them are, are pretty much limited to what they control, scope one, and to some extent, uh, their, their, their energy sources, scope two. So certainly you see a very diverse uh, landscape, uh, different companies taking different initiatives. Um, and when it comes to the type of things they are doing, measuring and detection is probably the priority number one. They, they, they want to size uh, the problem before actually doing anything about it, right? So measuring and detection has been pretty much in the strategy of all of them via LDAR programs. And, and we see uh, companies like Total, BP, Shell, Chevron, I mean, the mayors and some of the tier two and even uh, tier three uh, programs kind of announcing and implementing uh, 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 proactive uh, measuring and detection programs. Uh, the next step is actually uh, the actual reduction of these uh, emissions. So that's typically take place uh, uh, by, by taking, taking care of the infrastructure. You have all equipment, you have all infrastructure, uh, and, and, and we see companies kind of going into a, a, a massive replacement program, kind of uh, using newer, newer infrastructure with uh, obviously less, uh, less environmental impact to some extent. There is a third uh, step, and only a few companies actually making moves in that, uh, in that direction, which has to do with uh, 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 capturing uh, and uh, particularly, uh, ConocoPhillips ma ma made an announcement at the end of last year that they're gonna 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 implement vapor uh, recovery technology in every single operation they own in the United States and eventually moving uh, outside outside uh, uh, so, sorry to other operations. Um, but in addition to that, you have uh, uh, major corporate goals. So companies like Shell. MVP, and I would say, you know, to some extent, all European major companies uh, thinking a little bit more uh, broadly and, 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 and kind of taking a double look at their portfolio, uh, doing a couple of things. Number one, getting rid of uh, uh, those assets with higher carbon footprint on one end. And we see divestiture being announced by companies like BP and Shell here uh, in the United States. But at the same time, we see uh, a migration, or, or, or let's say a diversification from oil and gas uh, into other forms of energy. And we see some of these companies making uh, aggressive announcements uh, in terms of investments uh, uh, you know, in renewable technology all over uh, the globe. So certainly we see, again, very diverse, uh, uh, depending on the company, depending on the financial position of each company, depending on uh, the asset they own, we're gonna see different reactions, different responses. Uh, when it comes to to methane reduction, yeah, and, and and certainly, I mean, you have the the super majors with greenhouse gas reduction targets in the twenty to thirty percent range. By even just halfway through the decade, you have companies like BP, Shell, Chevron, Total, all announcing uh, goals related to both 
scope two, uh, scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. Uh, and then even when you look at the independents, EQT, EOG, um, you mentioned Oxy, Franco, but um, but just you know adding on Marathon and, and Pioneer, um, you know, they are also uh, uh, setting you know targets for themselves, both you know midway through the decade of uh, anywhere from 20 to up to 70 percent of a greenhouse uh, gas reduction target, like uh, we're seeing with EQT. EQT. Nilesh, this is certainly going to be weighing on on the businesses in terms of of their own ability to to address these. You know, what are some of the obstacles and challenges uh, that you see facing these companies over the next five to ten years? Yeah, so I think uh, each company, and, and as Franco mentioned, every every one of these um, large majors, independents, and smaller ones are facing different challenges, but. But it boils down to sort of cost and their ability to, to fund from cash flows, uh, the the headcount or excuse me labor requirements uh, to do to implement some of these solutions, and then in competing shareholder pressures. So let's just tackle one by one. So cost wise, you know, monitoring these greenhouse gas emissions requires some extensive analytics and monitoring solutions, and yet alone to address them, the, the leakages, if you will. And so deciding to invest in emission solutions or putting money in the ground or other forms of capital, uh, competing capital, that's going to be an issue to deal with. Now, currently with elevated oil prices, we believe that, or hydrocarbon prices, we believe that that decision might accelerate the need to do implement these solutions because they might have the extra, some extra cash flows. We actually firmly believe that that's what's going to happen. It's going to you know, ESG concerns are not going to go away. These um, these uh, these solutions will get implemented. The other challenge, though, is around <clears throat> oil and gas players needing additional staff. This is these are specialized uh, solutions to monitor and manage these initiatives in a constrained labor market. That could be a a, a constraint, um, e- even if capital is 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 there. They may not have the people or the bandwidth uh, to to implement some of these solutions. And then finally, shareholders are definitely more. Broadly, consumers and shareholders broadly are are more focused than ever on on greenhouse gas emissions. Some shareholders, though, excuse me, EMP companies are diverting more money into energy transition solutions, while other sort of management or oil and gas companies uh, management teams are being incentivized to reduce emissions. So there's there's challenges there on on where to prioritize. You know, some some teams are gonna. Uh, have an incentive to reduce their emissions, and some are are uh, diverting capital uh, back into the ground. Some are moving completely away into more aggressive carbon capture or hydrogen solutions. So there's a there's a challenge from shareholders that uh, the companies are facing. And a proposed SEC rule would potentially force publicly traded companies to report greenhouse gas emissions. And, and thinking about scope one, scope two, and scope three. Curious, Nilesh, your take on on the challenges that that might pose the broader oil and gas industry, including private companies and suppliers and manufacturers to uh, to the E and P landscape. How do you think that that's going to start to impact, um, you know, outside of of just the the public universe? So, a proposed SEC rule would force publicly traded companies to report greenhouse gas emissions. But given the inclusion of scope three into potential disclosure requirements, Nilesh, how do you think that that might impact the 
broader oil and gas industry, including the oil field service and equipment suppliers, um, who may not be publicly traded uh, in the market today and, and directly um, impacted by the, the disclosure policy. Yeah, that's, uh, it's just going to force all companies, regardless of size, into measuring, managing, and reporting for their customers. Uh, most uh, oil field service companies, whether they're public or private, um, uh, their customers are large, most of them, many of them, large, publicly traded. So it's just going to force uh, force uh, the measurement and the monitoring of these solutions to be implemented um, you know, across, across the space. So, Franco, there's a great amount of complexity and challenges then that we're seeing across the industry, just given the, the federal regulations, the potential SEC ruling, um, as well as, as corporate's own targets and objectives. Uh, but what do you see as, as kind of the opportunities then for, for companies to, to start to, to take advantage of, of the complexity and change that we're seeing in the market? Yeah, that that's a good question, uh, uh, Amar. Uh, I mean, we see we see opportunities all over the place, if if we might say that, uh, and, and technologies that are already in place and, and ready to be to be implemented. I mean, when we look at the at the different aspects of the value chain, monitor uh, and 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 let's say detection of uh, of emissions is priority number one, uh, and then we go into reduction and eventually into capture. Uh, and, and we see a number of uh, uh, service and equipment providers with solutions uh, uh, that, that can be, uh, as I said, used uh, immediately. Um, uh, particularly on the monitor side, uh, we see a landscape of uh, uh, aerial uh, technology, satellite-based technology, and even uh, field-level technology that uh, are, are set to, to measure with some level of accuracy uh, uh, the type and the volume of, uh, of, uh, of, of emissions. Uh, we see uh, companies actually implementing a little bit of everything, uh, kind of uh, using a top-down uh, and, and, and a bottom-up approach to, to triangulate uh, the way they measure uh, uh, emissions and report emissions in a more consistent manner. Uh, obviously, the framework uh, to report consistently isn't there necessarily uh, today. Uh, and, and what we hope to see is some level of standardization so every single company can report the same way. Uh, 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 but, but in the meantime, obviously, uh, companies are implementing uh, their own solutions. Uh, when it comes to reduction, it's probably an easier uh, way of uh, solving the problem. Assuming that you know the size of the problem, going after... Uh, the elements of emissions in your particular infrastructure is probably easier. We have a lot of technology on the ground, equipment manufacturers, both traditional oil field equipment manufacturers and also incoming equipment manufacturers uh, with uh, a higher level of, uh, of uh, let's say, environmentally friendly solutions uh, with equipment that are, are actually uh, designed to minimize or completely uh, avoid uh, uh, um, uh, fugitive emissions uh, to the point of also uh, resetting uh, the infrastructure, uh, like is the example of tank uh, tankless solutions, is basically eliminating uh, devices in the flow from wellheads to uh, pipelines in order to obviously minimize with that 
uh, the mission goal. So certainly we see a lot of uh, activity going on uh, and a lot of technology going on, and we see more and more uh, companies kind of joining uh, that effort of expanding their particular offering to include more uh, ESG-related uh, type of solutions. Yeah, that's right. We're, you know, there's there's definitely opportunities um, for all all players here to uh, come up with more innovative monitoring uh, solutions, whether it be aerial or or point or satellite. But importantly, now that you have that information, um, there's going to be uh, focus on ways to reduce or potentially even capture some of those uh, emissions. And that's where I think oilfield service players, technology players can come in, uh, operators can come in and be innovative around addressing some of those solutions. Once you know where they are, it's going to be uh, easier to fix. Great. Thank you both. Any final thoughts you'd like to share about the report? Well, uh, my final comment is the initial comment I made. This is a, a, a very fluid situation. And uh, uh, I mean, we certainly are uh, in the seek of uh, understanding how regulators are, are reacting, how companies are reacting, where the investments are, are actually being directed. Uh, we see more and more coming. So certainly uh, keep an eye on what you know, we, we publish uh, a daily K. Uh, we keep active in the, in, the, in, the, in the space. And as we learn more uh, from the industry, from our clients, uh, happy to, you know, keep sharing our thoughts. Well, that wraps up the question for today. Just want to give a big thank you, Franco and Alesh, for your time and perspectives on both the Russia-Ukraine conflict impact on the oil and gas industry um, and energy industry more broadly, as well as the landscape for both investors and participants across methane emissions management. Thank you. Thanks, Amar, for the opportunity. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us today at the Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting. Links to resources mentioned in this podcast can be found in the show notes. Please subscribe or follow for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to submit your suggestions for future insights online at LEK.com.